Yeah, it's um, interesting. The can I don't know. I can't figure out why the proceeding section is in there about like don't ask who will ascend and who will descend. Yeah, I was going to ask it, you about that. It sounds like who's going to go to heaven or hell. Yeah, right. That's that's I think pretty clear. Like you're not supposed to ask that, and I, and I think that is like the modern church wants to like uh, know like oh this person's going that person's going and it is like who can judge a heart only god can judge the heart that's so why i think we, most of the church should... is not going to heaven <laughs>
Yeah. 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 What was it? What common was that ground. called? Common ground. Common it was like ground. electric. There was like an electrical connection thing, and they called it common ground. That was fantastic. That taught me that Christians are Christians, not Lutherans or Baptists or evangelicals mm-hmm. or non-denominationals. And ever since common ground, um, praise God for those leaders who got those churches together. I I don't believe in denominations at all. So when I go to churches and I hear preachers condemning other denominations, I'm like, that needs to be confronted. And then I don't confront them. Um, oh, but one time I did write an email. Uh, that, that was as far as I took it. <laughs> because it was like, you crossed the line, dude. <laughs> he, well, put it on a, he put it on a PowerPoint and he put it up on the wall. So I took a picture and had to send it to him like, dude, come on, unify <laughs> the church. Let's go. That's, that's good. I, um, if I go to a church and I don't agree with the pastor, I don't go to that church. Yeah, I, I do that too. So but I've never, <laughs> you know, if I was a member of the church and then the pastor who I was regularly listening to that I agree with, you know, that I've come under submission to, and I, I agree with 99% of what he has to say. And then all of a sudden he were to say something you know, that I don't agree with. Hopefully there's a relationship there that I would just approach him and say, Hey, listen, I want to challenge you on this. Not in a position of like, well, Hey, you're wrong. And you know, but it's like, look at, I don't see how you came to that conclusion. Uh, it seems like the exact opposite is true. Um, yeah, I'd have no problem with that. But normally when I go church shopping, I just rule out the ones that creep me out. And then the ones that do, it's like, we're, well, we're, we're practicing the same. <laughs> that's yeah. That's what I do. So I it's, not, it's not really my place. I mean, like that's their thing. They're the leader. That's their church. I'm not part of it. So I don't know why they even should care what I think, let alone if they would or not. It's sort of irrelevant. I don't even think, I don't even necessarily, I don't put myself in a position where I think that my opinion matters to them, but. I don't know. I've never heard anything outright blasphemous. I've just heard creepy, weird, you know, mostly, mostly the healing kind of churches and the real charismatic where they, where you just feel like you guys have gone way too far. And it's like, you're taking these little verses and you're pinning them together like a bad edited video to create your own message about how I'm going to get rich. If I give you money, it's like, yeah, dude. Um, I'm not going to try and reason with you because I don't think you're in a place to hear it. So I'll, uh, since I took us down that bunny hole, I'll take us back to the passage here. I am very interested in what you both think. Um, is this a commandment? Uh, well, this part about do not say who will ascend into heaven, who will descend into the deep. What do you guys make of that? What are we supposed to do about that? instruction from Paul Steve, I can right. honestly I say that I'm not exactly sure what it's talking about and this in the in the version that I'm reading says and it's a little more simple English it says but faith's way of getting right with God says don't say in your heart who will go up to heaven to bring Christ down to earth and don't say who will go down to the place of the dead to bring Christ back to life again. And that that's a very mysterious set of verses for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. 
Well, so, um, Dave, Dave, help us out. Yeah, I'm not. Steve and I are stumped. I I was my, my honest when we read when I heard you read it. I promise you, the first thing I thought of was, I'm going to ask these two what the heck that means. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we can say we can say one thing that we do know, um, and that is that. In the same way, and this this might not pertain to these exact verses, but I think it's still a good thing. Um, you know, we don't have that final say. Uh, when Jesus was asked about the end times, he said, no one knows the day or the hour, not even the son and not even the angels, only the father knows. And so where I'm tempted to maybe think of, well, let's logically look at the scriptures. Let's try and put some things together here and let's give an educated guess. Jesus wouldn't do that. He said, no one knows that, but God, and it's, it's not my place. And so when you're talking about after this life, who's going to go to heaven? Who's going to go to hell? Yeah, that there's nothing productive that can come from that line of thinking in your mind. If you see someone and in your mind, you think that person is definitely eternally damned or that person is so great. He will definitely be in heaven. It's sort of like you're diminishing what Christ did for the one that you think is good enough to go to heaven or clearly going to go. And you're making it way you're discounting what's possible when you think somebody is beyond repair. And so mm. have enough humility or whatever the right word is to leave that to the father. Only the father is going to know. And that will be between them and the, the, the criteria that that person is going to be, held to and, and what's going to happen in that conversation is for the father and for that person. And as an image bearer, I should be doing everything I can to show them Jesus. And, uh, that's the best, that's the best I think I can do. Yeah, at the risk of um, Steve's mom saying I'm ripping this out of context all bloody, <laughs> yeah. um, I'm going to go to the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, do not be judged or you too will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Mm -hmm. And I um, have, uh, after thinking about that verse and this, this in this this topic, so this is where I don't know if I'm pulling that out of context, but I've applied that verse very well and i'm it's it's well with my soul type thing uh to say when it says do not judge like a judgment is like the gavel's dropped boom and you're going to hell and the gavel drop boom and you're going to heaven that's like do not judge like the final judgment mm -hmm. but when it says and with the measure you use it will be measured to you that's where i think you should have discernment like i would discern you're both uh holy spirit filled christians i would discern that but it's not my place to judge. I don't know your heart. Only you, Steve, know your heart with the Lord, and only you, Dave, know your heart with the Lord. That, you, that, that I can't. I thought you were going to say that, I only know Steve's. 
<laughs> I, thought, I know i've been out of touch longer but still yeah you know you're never right dave you just you're never I'm right. so close i'm always so close like everyone's cheering for me though i hope <laughs> but that's what i make of it with the uh don't ask well and then i just saw my little footnotes in my handy bible here say this is all from deuteronomy and actually like paul's quoting all kinds of old testament scripture of the law and i think he's kind of making the case um like you were saying steve in the context of this setting and he's like talking a bunch of israelites that that were like he's connecting the old testament uh and, and that hey this is already like no you're you weren't supposed to to ask there was no way to know who was going to heaven or hell that's why it was written in deuteronomy you you're not supposed to know there and so it's like the, it's like a breakdown of logic of like well if i did this 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 and this i would ascend uh, into heaven or if I if that hey that person did this this and this so they're they're going to Sheol they're going to hell um, and he's basically saying like this isn't anything new guys it said it uh, back in the in the law I'm just wondering I don't know if there's any context but it says it's from Deuteronomy 30 30 12 so Deuteronomy 30 12 says it is I'm going to read the previous verse now what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach <laughs> that's a funny that's a pretty that's a funny preceding you're, verse you're i didn't smart, know it said that you're smart enough to get this if you listen you idiots should be able to handle this <laughs> it, it is not up in heaven so that you have to ask who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it? No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so you may obey it. Whoa. I'm saying whoa like for a different context. Just that like um, Paul's writing was inspired by the Holy Spirit just like when Christ spoke. When Christ spoke and he would say like one little thing that was a reference to an old scripture – was always just like super tons of biblical context and uh, um, of the law, and Paul's obviously doing that here. Connect, he he just connected those two, that passage. And I bet the people who read this, who were Jews, knew that whole passage because they were. That's the only way that they didn't write down the word. They they memorized it and passed it on to each other. Hmm. Yeah. You know, one of the things that you're going to read in uh, Mere Christianity. Speaking of that book that really rocked my world and it kind of ties into this is that C.S. Lewis says, um, we know that no one comes to the father except through Christ. And the only way to be saved is Christ. But we don't exactly know the criteria that he uses to save. So you were saying we don't exactly know the how and what mm -hmm. this is telling us is we don't know. Don't think in your head that, you know, somebody who's beyond repair or somebody who's definitely going to heaven, like leave mm. that to God because you don't understand exactly the criteria that he uses. And that's a, that was a surprising statement in that book. And it, it caused me a lot of, um, reflection and after spending time 
I kind of agree with him. It's like, yeah, I mean, we know what it, what it is to be saved. And we know that everybody who believes in Jesus and accepts his free gift of salvation, that he died for you and that he lived the template of what showed us essentially how to live. And that relationship with him is what's going to save us. We don't exactly know the criteria and uh, it will probably be a surprise. It'll be even a surprise to some of the people. Like we said earlier, the, the ones who mm. say, Lord, Lord, what are you talking about? I know you. And he's like, I never knew you. And um, that always concerned me because I always thought of like, there's people on the radio that I listen to, like uh, this really good show called the good race show. And um, <laughs> no, um, you guys are on the radio too. <laughs> But my my kid just heard AM for the first time this week. It's like AM, what's that? Oh it's really gotta bad get, gotta, audio. Guys, got to get the good race on AM. <laughs> we're 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 uh, we're work, we're open to we're we're open to that. Let's just say. But yeah. um, <clears throat> what's funny is you you've got these people who are on the radio, like Rush Limbaugh or something like that. He's on the radio every single day, and he's on for hours. People spend two three hours a day with Rush Limbaugh. You know, mm. I used to listen to Glenn Beck a lot. And so I would listen to three hours of this guy talk. And I listened to him for five or six years. And so it was just on a podcast. I'd always listen to it. After that much time, you get to know the person. I know his family. I know the things he's frustrated with. I know what he got for Christmas. I know when he got a flat tire. Like you just know, you get to know the person because you're spending so much time listening. But if I were to go up and try and give Glenn Beck a hug and say, hey, man, good to see you. Sorry about the flat tire last week. He she would enjoy say those new golf clubs. Yeah. He would say, you... depart from me. I never knew you. <laughs> <laughs> you evil doer. Yeah. So it's like. Depart it, from me. I never knew you. And, and especially in today's age where we can go to church all time. We can listen to Good Race. We can read. We can hear the Bible. We can hear inspiring music. Huh. And you can hear all the stuff and you can hear all the stories and it feels good. And you, and then you shape your life to fit into the culture. And so you, you look like everybody else and you feel like you're all running in a pact. And then in the end, it's like, shoom, there's no one else. You're in a gym by yourself and you're only with him. And it's the person that you've been in a conversation that you didn't ever recognize was him, but he was there for your whole life. But you never responded to that voice and you never recognized that that thing that was calling you and trying to get your attention your entire life, that was actually God. You had to forget the church, forget the facade, forget your life, get rid of Instagram, you know, be willing to give up your kids, your future, your money, every like all that was a distraction. And that never happened. There was always something more important. There was always something you were working for or serving. And then he's going to say, all you had to do was listen. I was right there. And he'll be like, Lord, look at all the stuff I did. It's interesting. You say, all you have to do is, is listen because, um, when you gave the Glenn Beck analogy, like, uh, a spiritual light went off on like, that's a one way conversation. All you were doing was listening. Mm -hmm. and and you weren't talking to Glenn 
and you weren't talking talking back to Glenn. That's why you guys didn't have a relationship and he didn't recognize you. And I, I think of like the people that Jesus is talking about. If you go back to like that day or if you go to today, you have some people that are out there, some false prophets that declare things in Jesus' name and they like name it, claim it. Hey, if you send us a thousand bucks, grandma's going to get better. Like yeah, that is right. that is evil. Yes. That is evil. But they're doing it in the Lord's name. And they'll say those are the people I think that are going to go to him and they're going to say, I I declared in your name. I cast out evil spirits in your name, blah, 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 blah. And he'll stay away from me, you evildoers. I never knew you. And I think that when you said the Glenn Beck thing, it made me realize like, do they, do those people, I wonder if they ever go into their prayer closet and actually pray to the Lord God in Jesus Christ's name? Or do yeah. they go in their prayer closet and they meditate in their own mind? about okay what what how am i going to use this to 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 get me to the next step or whatever as opposed to to, i i I need you lord i need you to to work for me or to take it full circle do they go in their backyard out into the field and you know call on the name of god yahweh i should have used the word i should have used the word respond instead of listen when it's all you had to do was listen, I should have said all you had to do was respond. The, the, and I thought we were on the exact same page, and we are. It was a bad. Yeah. It was a bad. Uh, it was a poor choice of word. But but if uh, but I'll I'll let Glenn know that uh, you just you were just hoping you could call in a little more often. I gave up on know. Glenn. I stopped. Oh okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, we we're going golfing next week. So. Once are you really? <laughs> No. Oh, I was like, wow. I mean, okay, That's I'll go it. golfing with you. <laughs> <laughs> Just as long as we park outside the golf course. I'm not going to park inside the golf course. You lost me. When Rich, uh, I haven't actually seen Rich except maybe oh my gosh. one time. In oh, the my last, gosh. I haven't <laughs> seen him except maybe one time in the last oh. 10 years. Uh-huh. And uh, he came to California one time, and we went golfing together. Yeah. And so we golfed until twilight, until the it was basically done. And I think he and I, what, what did we do? Go out to eat or something? Because we left the golf course. And I think yeah, we left the, the in story my story doesn't make sense in my mind. I'm like, yeah, we we kept. We were like, hit. Let's hit one more. There was this tee box that was up high, and we could hit it like super far farther than we've ever hit a golf ball before because we were like. <laughs> A hundred yards above the green. Yeah. So we kept hit T and we were just, just cranking balls out into never, never land. And it was getting darker and darker. And then when we went down, I think we did go eat. At yeah. Maybe, we went I, out I, to, I, there was a restaurant right next door. We could walk to, that's it, what it was. And then when we got back, they had closed the golf course and shut an iron gate and Rich's car was the only one in the parking lot. So we were, we were trying to, we were actually trying to break the gate. We were trying to like take the gate apart because he had to get his car out because he had work and stuff. And we we're like, how are we going to break out of this, of this, uh, parking lot? We like climbed the fence and we were messing with the gate and everything. 
and we I'm were thinking, kicking the gate. And like, I know we were like, I haven't, I haven't done this. This is the kind of thing that we would have done in high school. I was like, I hang out with Rich one time. I think we did this exact thing in high school. Yeah, and here I am doing. The we thing. literally had the conversation. Should we drive the car? It's a rental. Let's just drive it through the gate. I think we can make it, Dave. Come on. We gotta break the uh, chains. And it's like a five hundred dollar deductible. It's all good. Oh, I was like, this isn't the predicament that adults get themselves into, but this is what we would have done when we were 16. And here we are now, what, five years, what was that? Two or three years ago, we're almost 40 and we're doing the same thing. It was nice. So how did you get the car out? We got a I hold of we, security. We oh, like okay. went up to the windows and like found a cleaning person yeah it was, it was a cleaning? cleaning person and she called and they got a hold call of... the owner and uh, it was a mess it was hours we, we didn't get out it till was... like after 11 <laughs> it was hours yeah yeah but anyway well did we um... go to that sports place afterwards there i remember talking to you about faith and stuff were you where were you at mentally back then? Were you full out born again believer? Because I've listened to some of your shows. Dave and I haven't connected in a while, so I'm just being like Steve. I don't know. Were you at that moment um, full born again believer, or were you like, hey, I'm not involved with church. I'm questioning things. Because when we talked, I was like, no, Dave, Dave's still a Christian. He's just pissed at the church or something like that. Yeah, that was. Um, <clears throat> you know, I wrote out. Uh, to somebody recently and it was really quite sad I wrote the years that I was what I would consider an active Christian and basically not a Christian um, and so your question is um, Christianity equals MC squared I have always known that it was probably true <clears throat> I have always known since I was 19 that there's definitely a God and that God knows me. That was made clear to me with an experience um, when I was 19. And so no matter how far I've ever run away, I've never, I would have to be intellectually dishonest to go past that there might not be a God or that even if there is a God, does he know me? No, those two things are firmly in my mind. But as far as for all for all intents and purposes. Now, I didn't live as a Christian for nine years from uh, 2011 until February of last year. So when you saw me, um, I still had the head knowledge and I was still willing to confess with my mouth, but there was nothing in my life that was even remotely motivated by serving anyone but myself. And so, yeah, I was very judgmental of the church very much into just having as much fun as I can possibly fit in this life. That's my God <clears throat> at the time. Mm. So I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, it did. And, and I, I, I know it was a, it was a late evening. We had lots of, lots of uh, interesting conversations like, like now. And that's why I knew like, yeah, of course you don't get rid of your head knowledge. And I, I sensed, uh, the Holy spirit was still with you. And that's my belief. Like, like if you're either having a, I call it a, is that Peter moment where he, he like, yeah, I'm not really into that right now or trying to, like, I never thought like in his heart, Peter denounced the Lord. 
that would be blasphemy and an unforgivable sin. But with his mouth, he did. He was like, oh, I don't know that guy. Uh, so maybe there's there's moments we all have like that as Christians. And obviously it's forgivable. Peter's the cornerstone of the church. So we're good. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I've been a Christian since I was 14. And I don't deny that. And I don't say <clears throat> that in February I became a Christian. But yeah. if yeah. but for people who are close to me, um, they might come to that conclusion. Uh, just because they would go, oh, well, you're obviously a lot different now than you were a year ago as far as what I think, the things I think are funny, the things I want to go do, the way I spend my free time and the, you know, so, but yeah, when I talk to you, of course, you know, you're my, you're, uh, you're my high school. You're the guy I looked up to in high school. Like I'm still going to relate to you on that level. Um, and it was still in my heart. That's for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, this, this, this uh every january i think okay this is the year i'm gonna be a wholehearted christian like all the way all the time and i've always struggled with that that's like my uh thorn in my side maybe is like somehow counting on my flesh to to be this wholehearted christian as opposed to the the holy spirit what would define what would what would a wholehearted christian look like like how would it be different as opposed to the year before um, <clears throat> like the different years, like what, what was it that you look back on and you say, okay, what does it look like this time? Yeah, I think, uh, I, I'm not sure it would look, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know if it would look different, but I, I mean, think it would, to be, you. it would be spirit led. There'd be no people pleasing. I'm plagued with, uh, people pleasing type thoughts you know like what is this person gonna think of that or i gotta i gotta i gotta i don't know i get mixed up with like is it me just trying to do my job or me trying to look good at my job Hmm. those two different things and like if i just do my job to glorify god that takes care of that if in my heart i'm doing my job at work to glorify god all that goes away so when you say what does it look like rich that's what it looks like that that everything i do just like it says in the word i do it for the glory of god and i confess to you my christian brothers i don't do that (laughs) i don't we'll we'll make sure the volume is up and we'll feature that as the intro (laughs) no i'm just teasing (laughs) well the reason the reason i asked was um because one of the things that i um uh this is a challenge to myself or it's something that I've noticed in myself that um, maybe sounds similar. It is easy and makes me feel good to make a commitment to be more generous. And that standard will not and can never be met because I know secretly, I don't admit it to myself in the moment, but I make the commitment, I'm going to be more generous. So when the opportunity comes, I'm going to be more generous. Well, I look back a year later and it doesn't matter what's happened. I still should be more generous. And so mm-hmm. in some ways I, I, I hide myself and I, I feel good about having the desire for more generosity without any actual, um, 
it, it, it's like, it's always, it, there's no actual application of it. But what would be really, really hard for me to do um, is to say, I'm going to give at least two hours of my time every week dedicated to investing in someone's life. Well, all of a sudden I put, I say something like that and now it's no longer the, Oh, I should be more generous. And I feel actually good about that longing. It's, I have to now go, Oh, it's been three months and I have not even spent one hour with someone. Not only am I not more, I mean, I'm, I'm, I've got an actual target mm. and I'm, and I'm missing it. And that was the only reason when you say, well, I want to be a full hearted Christian. This is where I'm at too, because I say, okay, I put myself on the cross and I knew how I got converted, but what did I do today that was for God? What, what am I going to do tomorrow? Am I, oh, I'm going to keep myself on the cross. I'm going to keep myself on the cross. That feels good to me. And it even sounds good to other people. But if I were to say, Hey, you know, you are going to be truthful, no matter how much it costs you, you're going to wake up and contrary to you, rich, you're not going to slack off at your job. You're going to studiously give them you know, you're on, you're, instead of being on the clock for 12 hours, getting eight hours of work done, you're going to studiously work for eight hours and then get something done and, and deliver on your promises, whatever it is. It's like, I'm a workaholic. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I'm a workaholic Confession moment. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a workaholic. I'm a guy who loiters at Like I constantly work because I'm never done because, but if I were to studiously work, I would get more done. So that's my confession. I procrastinate at work. That's for sure. That's, that's a confession. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about, um, how do I make it not some kind of philosophy? Um, this, uh, wholehearted Christian, how do you make that like real? You got to um, pinpoint one thing. That's not what a wholehearted Christian does and just say, I'm going to improve that one, one deviation up. <laughs> <laughs> and pretty soon if you're starting to put some pieces together this is my hope if i'm starting to put some pieces together then there will soon be a day where i can say hey i lived as god wanted me to live today i did it let's try that again tomorrow <laughs>